It's going to be awesome. Uh, for the Sex and Chocolate, um, Karis, I was not invited to be a guest speaker to this. I'm an expert on relationships now. <laughs> Gets a girlfriend once. <laughs> I'll tell you, I have a lot of wisdom, people. A lot of wisdom here. What these eyes have seen, I don't know. That's horrible. I don't know what that means. Okay. Um, <laughs> Hey, we are so thrilled to, and by the way, I'm giving a little shout out to Christina Stover, who is watching online right now. She just texted me, um, and can we show some love to Christina right now? And she um, just had a baby like two weeks ago and went to Disney yesterday. Happy birthday to your son, and uh, we, we miss you. Um, and uh, actually, this was uh, a speaker that Christina had actually given us uh, info about and said, hey, this is uh, someone that has impacted my life. And so we reached out and made this work. I'm going to read uh, Pastor Bo's bio. It says, Bo Stern Brady is a speaker, writer, and the founder of Sheology, an organization that empowers women to live wildly free. She is the author of three books that focus on growth through suffering, a message developed and re refined during her husband's four-year battle, battle with ALS. Uh, her story and writing has been featured in countless publications worldwide, including Huffington Post, Focus on the Family, and NBC News. Bo believes God is always good, coffee always works, can I hear an amen? <laughs> And life always wins. She is married to the second love of her life, and they split their time between their homes in Bend and Portland, Oregon. Can we welcome up Pastor Stern, uh, Bo Stern Brady? guys. Thanks for having me. You guys, it is such a win to get an invitation to speak in LA in February when you were from Bend, Oregon. And it's just a win. I'm feeling so warm and happy. Um, I'm planning to stay for like a couple of months until it clears off, thaws out there a little bit. Uh, I got married in July. I am a 54-year-old newlywed. It's cool. Met both my husbands in Bible college, so there's hope for everyone. There's hope for everyone there. Um, and I really want to jump right into the Word. I'd love to tell you tons of cute stories and get to know you and get you on my team and everything. But we, we just have some ground to cover. And I think it's really important for you as you enter this next season in this semester. And so I'm going to get right into it and trust that you'll just, you'll just like me anyway. <laughs> um, we're going to throw a scripture up there. And for me, this has been a defining scripture in my life for 20 years battling debilitating anxiety. I have been so caught in fear for so long that about 20 years ago, I started to study this scripture and research it and start to appropriate it in my life because you can study and you can quote it and you can quote it in the Greek and you can know it, how you can parse it all out. You can teach it to somebody else and never actually let it form inside your life. And so that's this scripture, and we're going to just hit it hard right now. It's the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians, who's a culture caught up in um, sex, and uh, love is a commodity, and a lot of different things going on in that city. He says, for though we walk to the, but he's talking to Christians, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we're in this fleshly world, we're all stuck in skins, we're all stuck here as humans, and we live in this, but our war isn't fleshly, and our weapons aren't carnal. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge 
knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, strongholds. Paul is talking about strongholds. This is an interesting word in the Greek. This is a word that isn't found anywhere else in the Bible. So Paul borrowed it from culture. In fact, you want to know the coolest thing? This word, he is probably talking about pirates. The Cilician pirates during just about 50 years before the ministry of Paul ran rampant throughout the Mediterranean, and they would set up strongholds, little fortresses on coastlines, and they would wait and attack people of uh, stature and wealth, and they would hold them for ransom. And so what really is piracy? It's hijacking. It's, it's taking something captive. And so Paul's saying this, these strongholds exist somewhere. We don't know yet unless we've read to the end of the verse. These strongholds exist somewhere. But the good news is you've got power to pull them down. And so he's talking about these mighty weapons you've been given. And then he says you've got power to pull down every argument and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ and take every thought captive. And so that's the punchline. That's where Paul explains, here's where the strongholds are. Here's where the war is. The war is not with culture. The war is not with media. The war is not with politics. The war is not with the Democrats or the Republicans or the public school system. The war is in your mind. The battle for your thoughts is where every big war is being fought right now. Every single bit of success you will have, every failure you will make, every addiction you will experience, everything starts with a thought. And Paul is saying the bad news is your thoughts are super powerful. The good news is you've got weapons other people don't have. You've got a way to work the weapons so that you can live free in your thinking and free in your soul but it's going to be tricky. And so um, Paul talks about these strongholds and that they're happening in our mind. And it's an interesting thing because I'm, I'm someone who feels pretty fiercely about uh, the way the church has been against science for a long time. I feel like science and scripture so often agree. Why are we picking fights with science? Let's not try to fight with science, especially when science comes in and says, hey, here's where you're right. And so Paul and science agree on this, that our brains are high-performance thought factories. They're just really high-performance. In fact, your brain has 100 billion neurons in it. It has the capacity in those neurons to create 100 trillion different pathways. These pathways are shortcuts. So, uh, in fact, I wondered how, how much 100 trillion was, and I researched it, and I couldn't find anything to tell me, except I found that if you go back a billion seconds in time, you land in 1987, and if you went back 100 billion seconds in time, you'd land in 30,000 B.C., so, I mean, there's a lot, 100 trillion pathways. Your brain is always working. It's always going. It's always creating something. So most of you, when you woke up this morning, didn't have to get out the manual to your car to figure out how to drive it, right? Most of you didn't have to figure out how, you didn't have to relearn how to walk. 
You were able to just get up on your feet and walk. You were able to get up and go because your brain created a pathway. Now, if you want to kill some time today and it's just a fun thing to do, get on YouTube and watch the videos of babies learning to walk because it's so fun. And, like, their faces are like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, smash. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, smash. And they do, like, five steps, and then pretty soon they're doing it. And when you watch them doing it, you're watching a neural pathway form right before your eyes. You're watching their brains create a shortcut that's going to serve them all their lives. In fact, once they learn it, they can't unlearn it. Yeah, if I told you just don't, you can't walk. You pretend you can't walk. Or, or if I tell you I'm going to speak the rest of this time in English but don't understand it. You can't do that because you have an embedded neural pathway. And it is something that serves you really well until it doesn't. Because anything can be encoded into your brain. Anything can get dug in. Anything can become a shortcut. You can go from happiness to fearfulness in two seconds based on one trigger that sent you into a ditch and you feel like you can't get out. And the thing is, when we jump back to our text, we see that Paul addresses it too. He's got a little word here in this scripture. He says, we're casting down these strongholds, and these strongholds are arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So anything, what does that mean? Anything against the knowledge of Christ. Everything that is within the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the belief system of God is always absolute truth. Yes, we all agree on that in this room. The, everything within the mind of Christ is absolute truth. And I think we also can agree that everything within the mind of Bo probably is not Probably, probably just not. And so he says one of these strongholds is a Greek word that's logismos. And it's a powerful word that means layers and layers of time and reasoning and experience that create for you a lens through which you see the world. There's a way you see the world that other people do not. There are things that make sense to you in your mind like it is your own name that other people would say that is not how it is. I mean, I could tell you this room is small because I've been in 100 bigger ones, and you could say no, this is big because I've been in 100 smaller ones. What's true? Nothing's true in that. It's just my logismos. It's my lens. But your lens becomes a part of your belief system, and the thing about a logismos or a stronghold is that they're largely invisible to you. You cannot see one when you're in it, typically. And so that's the reason we can see and wonder why People who are abused as a child marry abusers. That doesn't make sense to me. I was really well-loved as a child, but it's logical to them. It looks right to them. Is it true that that is how someone should be treated within the, the context of a loving relationship? Absolutely not true. But it makes sense because of a ditch in a brain that got dug over time and experience. And it created a reasoning system, a lens through which everything else is filtered and judged. And so um, I found that... Uh, People that get stuck in a logismos, especially me, it, 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 it creates almost an echo chamber where everything I already believe keeps coming back at me in other ways that I already believe it. 
I just keep hearing the same thought over and over again. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not going to pass this. I can't possibly do this. All of these things, this negativity swirls around us. And these thoughts drop into our awareness like balloons. We can't control whether a thought comes or not. We really can't. It's like, again, it's like trying to not understand English. Thoughts are going to drop into your awareness. But what happens at that moment is a critical step. So if a thought drops like a balloon, I'm trying to learn in my life to let it drop. If I had an issue with a, with a friend or an acquaintance this year that was really difficult, and uh, there was a lot of conflict around that relationship, and I could feel myself, like it would, a thought about her would land when I'd be in the car, and it would be like a balloon, and I know I had the option to bounce it up. And she's... She's so unfair and so unkind. And why does she treat me like that? And why is it like that? And you know, a lot of people aren't fair. And a lot of people are kind. You just keep the balloon up in your vision. Or you can say, that exists, let it drop. I pastor a single moms group. I used to be one with them before I got remarried. And um, one thing that's, that's a part of my single moms group is that a lot of them want to be in relationships. A lot of them want to get married. And uh, it will happen every time. Every time I get a text from one of them, if they just say hi, fine, that's, that's what that is. But if they say I want to get together and talk, I'm telling you what, it is always about a man. It is always going to be that they met someone and they want to talk about it. And so far, across the board, I'm going to say 100% of the time, they have come to me with their balloon and they have said, I really like this man and... He said hi to my kids the other day, and he sat with me in worship, and he really liked my outfit, and let the balloon drop. And then the next, the next paragraph will be, but also, he said hi to my kids, and he sat with me in worship, and he really liked my outfit. He would just bounce it up and up and up and up and up time and time again. And they're just bouncing the same three thoughts up in front of them time and time again, living in what becomes a relationship. And all fantasy is a relationship with a mindset instead of a relationship with a person. Pornography, uh, all fantasy is that I have a relationship with a mindset, with my same three thoughts that I've now thought 30,000 times, and I have well and truly dug myself into a ditch. And it is going to take the jaws of life to get me out. And you know who has the jaws of life? Bo Stern Brady, because I no longer will let women live in those ditches. I will not let them. I can't take their thoughts captive, but I'm not going to let them sit in a ditch and believe they aren't. I must say, sister, you have said the same three thoughts to me over and over again, but he doesn't like you. He's not into you. Move on to something that can be an actual relationship in your life that can bring beauty and strength in life. And so I say that to you this morning only to say, be a good friend. Be a good friend. Don't be that friend that gets in the ditch with someone and lets them live in their fantasy. It's not good for you. Help people become aware of their thoughts. Help people capture 
some of the thoughts that are leading them down a road. Because I have had women who have to let go of a fantasy relationship. And it is more painful for them than their divorce was. Because your thoughts are powerful. And so know when to let the balloon drop and know when to hold it up in front of the light of truth and get it fixed. So here's a, here's a statistic that's really interesting. How many thoughts do you think you think a day? Do you think you think? How many? Somebody say what? 50,000. Yeah, be, between, between tw- you 20 thoughts a day, did someone say, I love you, I want to be you? <laughs> I think about 20 thoughts a day, and then I'm done. <laughs> then I pretty much call it a day. Then it's just Netflix after that. Um, so <laughs> you think between 12 and 60,000 thoughts a day. The number doesn't matter as much as this next number. Of those thoughts, 85% are negative. 85%. People, we're the gospel. I mean, we're the living embodiment of the gospel, and 85% of our thoughts are negative. There's no difference in the statistic between Christians and not. 85% of our thoughts. Listen to this number. Of those 85% of of negative thoughts, 95% are thoughts you thought yesterday and the day before that and two weeks ago, Thursday, and last year about this time. 95% are repeated thoughts over and over again. They are literally called in science automatic negative thoughts, ants. And they swarm your mind like ants swarm a picnic basket, and they take over. And Paul says... Take them captive. You don't have to live this way. And so I did an experiment in my life recently, and I encourage you to do it if you have the time. I decided I was having a negative day, and I decided I'm going to write down every negative thought I think today. I'm just going to stop, and I'm going to just keep a little running list. It was sad. It was real sad. So I started just writing all the thoughts, writing, writing, writing. At the end of the day, I dig real deep, and I'm like, I'm going to think of everything I thought. What did I think today? What were my negative thoughts? I'm writing, writing, writing. I fill up a page, maybe 150 things, and, I'm, and I did this next thing because this is the kind of person I am. I color-coded them. Anybody? Any color-coders? And if you're a color-coder, you're also a Post-it note fan. I love you. You're my people. Uh, so I color-coded them to figure out not just what are the thoughts, but what is the root of the thought. And at the end of the day, it wasn't that I had 150 negative thoughts. Four. Four negative thoughts, four roots, four engines that created four trains of thought that then consumed 85% of my day. It's 10 hours of your day. And so here's the bad news. Bad news, you're not going to be able to take 40,000 thoughts captive. Good news, you don't have to. You only have to take four. But, or six, or 12 whatever yours is. But the problem is knowing what for. And the reason we can't take the engines of these trains of thought captive is because we don't pay enough attention to what's going on inside the universe of our own mind. Somehow, as believers, we have managed to disconnect discipleship from thought formation, and we got to stop it. So we've started to say, okay, the heart, it's the heart. Did you give your heart to Jesus? Do you think the writers are talking about your actual, the organ that is your heart? Of course not. Of course they are talking about your mind and your soul. So these are the things that we've got to bring these things together and say, I've got soul wounds that are knocking up against 
thoughts and creating the thoughts that come out of my mind and then what, what, what? The words that come out of my mouth. And once somebody tells me they have a mad crush on someone else, I'm like, oh, they're in a groove. Because once it comes out your mouth, it's a, it's a thing. And so capturing, identifying and capturing these trains of thought is a big, big deal. It's maybe the most important thing you could do to get momentum, not just as a believer, but as a human being. To get momentum, stop living in cycles of negativity and bitterness and anger and frustration and racism and addiction and all the stuff that we wrap up in cute little ways and call them something else, but we live inside this cycle wondering why we can't get ahead. It's our thoughts. It's not the circumstances. It's not that you didn't get a good break. It's not that you don't have the pedigree. It's not that everybody overlooks you and undervalues you. The battle for your freedom and your success and your calling is in your thoughts. And you're in really, really bad trouble if, you're, if it's up to you to fix them. But Paul just told you it isn't. Paul just told you, you've got weapons to use. You've got divine, supernatural. The word in that verse is dynamite to blow up strongholds. You've got access to it. First Timothy, we quote it all the time. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. It's the Greek word sophronismos. It means safe, controlled, disciplined thinking. It's thinking with borders around it, thinking with fences around it, thinking that creates the kind of boundaries that produce a, a cool crop. If you have a farm and it's beautiful and there's animals and crops and a farmhouse where the wife cooks good and or the husband cooks good, all the things. Um, you could have that, but if you look at it and there are no fences or walls or boundaries and the cows are eating the corn and the casseroles and the animals are everywhere and in the master bedroom, it's like that's chaos. That farm can't produce. But that is the condition of most of our minds. There's no borders. And so we have weapons to build borders. So how do we do it? Here's my two-point idea bless you and I don't know if it I don't know that this works for everyone but it's worked for me and I'm telling you it has delivered me out of so much negative thinking in my life the first one is real simple become aware of your own thinking take some time to figure out why do I feel the way I feel take some time to meditate in the morning Take some time to say, I know that I'm feeling right now frustrated and or afraid or overlooked or devalued or whatever. I'm going to look at why. What's going on inside of me? Holy Spirit, I invite you into this mess. We are so not mindful in America. We are so distracted. Social media, so much input. We consume 100,000 words a day. That's up by, I don't know, 90% from when our parents were our parents, as if we have the same parents. That's cute. Um, it was from when old people were young. Um, <laughs> and so we have so much dueling for our emotions. I was speaking at our church one night, and I was looking out in the crowd, and I saw a friend of mine, and she was with a man who isn't her husband, and he had his arm around her, and they were super cozy, and I was like, that is so sad. I feel so sad about it. Like, I should have known. She should have called me. I didn't know something was wrong with her marriage. I didn't know that was going on. I wonder how her kids are doing. This is so sad. And then I looked again, and I realized that's not her. That's, that's a whole different person, um, which wasn't her. 
Um, and then I, the thing is, I never stopped speaking the whole time. I was preaching, thinking about this woman sitting in the crowd. This is what we do. We can live in multiple tracks at once, and it's not good for us. You know how many times I've lost my car in a parking lot? So, 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 so many times. And I was starting to get super worried about myself. Like, why can't I find my car? And then I started, every time I would park, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to where I park. And I'd go into the store. I've never lost it once since. The problem is I didn't have a problem with memory. I have a problem with awareness. That's my problem. And we have a problem with awareness in America, guys. We just have a problem. A couple of ways I think you could start to work on mindfulness this week. A, take five minutes in the morning and meditate and just get alone with your thoughts. Take a few deep breaths in. I produced an app that we released about a month ago. It's called Soul Space, kind of the Christian answer to calm or headspace. And it just helps you turn in to your own thoughts and then anchor them to truth. We deal with things like, what do I do with my thoughts about my enemy right now? What do I do with my thoughts about poverty? What do I do with my thoughts about fear and anxiety or being alone or whatever? So I'd love for you to download that. There's a free, uh, free track every single day. You can start your day with it. Um, but take some time, center your thoughts, figure out what's going on in your own mind. Look into the universe that is your thoughts secondarily. Oh, and look into people's eyes when you're talking to them. Turn off your phone for a while. Um, turn off whatever devices keep you distracted. Turn off the radio and get some solitude. Use your commute time to just say, how am I doing? What is going on inside my brain? What am I thinking that isn't lined up with the word and the way of Jesus? Secondarily, once you've looked into your own thoughts, there are some that you can just let drop like a balloon. You can, you can say, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to that thought. I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to let it drop. But there are some that if they happen all the time, if every time you walk into a room and you feel like you're not enough, you're not good enough, no one there loves you, if every time you walk out your door you feel like somebody's going to kill you, there, there are, if every time you spend a dollar, you feel like you're going to be poor for the rest of your life, if these thoughts keep hammering at you over and over and over again, it's time to pick up that balloon and hold it up to Jesus and ask him one question, is this true? Is this true? Or am I believing a lie? Because there are all kinds of self-actualization exercises right now that are going to tell you you are enough, you're good enough, you're strong enough, you're pretty enough, you're cute enough, and you can hustle, 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 and achieve anything you want. And I'm just going to tell you at some point those thoughts are going to fail you because they aren't built in the truth that only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus is enough. But he is enough. And so you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. And so if I bury my self-worth today in positive thinking about the abilities of Bo Stern, that is eventually going to let me down, and it's going to let me down hard. I know I've been doing this a long time. But if I bury my thoughts in the truth that in my weakness he is strong, that sometimes he uses me falling flat on my face for his good kingdom purpose, that he's not depending on me to get it right, that he uses donkeys to speak, when I can bury my awareness in the prevailing truth that Jesus is enough, that never lets me go. It never lets me down. And so aligning your thoughts with truth is a game changer. It matters more than anything. Um, so the other day, this is an embarrassing story. The other day, um, my, my husband and I split our time between Ben and Portland, but we aren't always in the same city at the same time. And so, um, 
I texted him. We just got married in July. I texted him one morning, and he didn't text back for like 15 minutes, and he knows better because he knows how my brain works. And so, fine, no big deal. And then I feel like I'm 18. He just texts me back, and it's for the balloon. I think he likes me. Um, so, and then 20 minutes later, still no text. And I, I knew the minute the balloon dropped. I knew the minute that it landed in my heart. The thought that said, your husband is dead. I knew it. And <clears throat> it was not a little thought. It was a freight train. It was real. My husband is dead. And immediately I felt all of the cars begin to line up behind it. How will you tell the kids? How will you survive it? How will you ever risk loving anything again, even a puppy? You lose everything you love. So question, was that truth? No, but in that moment, it could have been. I mean, and you could come back with me. You could do some kind of rational exercise with me in that moment. You could be like, Bo, you're not going to lose two husbands before the age of 55. Come on. And I can come back at you and tell you about the woman I met at a conference who lost two husbands by the age of 38, one to cancer and one to a car accident. You can't come at me with that. I've got another truth in my backpack ready to go to tell me what I already believe is true is true. Because this is my brain running ahead trying to keep me safe. This is my brain saying, you've been down this road, just prepare your heart for it. And so what I did instead was I sat down and I said, Jesus, I don't know what truth is. But I know I need a prevailing truth. I need a truth that trumps them all. I need a truth I can sink my teeth into, that I can rest my thoughts in, and I need it to be really good. <laughs> and so I just sat down, I breathed in, I invited the Holy Spirit into the space, and I said, give me your truth. And what came within seconds, because I really think Jesus is on your side in this. He wants you to think his way. He wants us to live free. And what came was this very simple truth. I am safe in the love of God. Listen, no matter what. I am safe in the love of God no matter what. And I said it over and over and over again. And I redug that pathway in my brain. And I just kept, because, yeah, lots of things gets encoded to your brain through experience and trauma and time. But you can encode anything you want into your brain anything you want. Open up the Word of God. You can encode anything you want through time and repetition and experience. So I want to pray with you. Um, would you close your eyes for a minute? If you say today, I am in a battle with my thoughts Maybe it's insecurity, maybe it's uh, overwhelm, maybe it's just you feel your soul is always in a hurry and you can't slow it down, maybe it's fear of the future, maybe it's fear of never being loved, could be anything, but you say, I recognize that there's a sig significant piece of landscape in my mind that is dug in, that there's a groove and I can't get out. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, so, so many. Okay, well, with our hands raised, Holy Spirit, you see that our brains are made of flesh, but we are made of the Spirit of God. We wear your DNA. 
We are held in your heart. And so we ask that you would even now set into every raised hand a supernatural weapon through which they can fight and begin to pull down the lies of the enemy that would want to keep them locked up, bound up, stuck in a prison that isn't even real. God, would you begin to dismantle the things that the enemy has always wanted us to believe? Would you begin to pull apart the labels that have been placed on our minds from other sources and from ourselves? Would you begin to remove all the gunk that we accumulate in a lifetime of relationships and failures and successes and wounds? God, would you come and show us the power to think your way? And as disciples, we commit to new ways of thought formation because you're worth it and because you've promised us a life better than that that we know. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Life Pacific. You've been fantastic. Hey, LPU, can we thank Pastor Bo? We appreciate you. Thank you for that. You know, we have one minute. We have one minute. You don't have to start packing up, but can we stand up? We have one minute. We're almost done. Um, those are one of those messages that I think um, it's, it's, uh, it's so much to take in and I think to process um, with people as well. And so I want to encourage you. We do have all the messages up on podcasts. That's one of those that I want to encourage you to re-listen to um, and just to really lean into that. So, um, man, we're so excited for what God's doing. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Sign up for conference. If you haven't, uh, go to all the events, Sex and Chocolate tomorrow. Lifeline, check that out. It is awesome to see what God's doing. All right, see you guys. Have a good one.